Hello, Real Life family and friends. Uh, we are in a series called The 40 Days of Prayer, and it's really about us connecting to God. And also, I've invited people to join a life group so we can connect with each other. But prayer is all about knowing God and connecting with Him and being in His presence and uh, being transformed. And so, as we're going through the different Hebrew understandings of prayer, just wanted to do a quick review. First of all, uh, one of the meanings of prayer that comes from some of the Hebrew root words is to connect or to attach. And so, first of all, we attach or we get connected with God spirit to spirit. So when we are praying, um, that's our way to connect with God. Our spirit connects with God. But also, when we pray to place our faith in Jesus, our, our spirit is born again. That's the, the greatest miracle on earth is to be born again, to be rejoined or reconnected with God. We come alive. Our spirit comes alive. And then from that point on, we maintain that connection by talking to God, by uh, interacting with God, by being in his presence. Uh, so prayer is that communication. It's that connection. It's that interaction with God. And uh, it's so much more than just asking God for things. It's actually communing with Him, connecting with Him, interacting with Him. So those are some of the things that we've talked about. Another aspect of prayer we've talked about is that it's like proclaiming uh, the promises of God with the authority of Jesus, with the breath of God, and we're activating the will of, will of heaven to come to the earth. And so I want to encourage you to continue to study the scriptures to memorize and meditate on God's word and then proclaim it, speak out God's word. When you do that, you're speaking with the spirit that God put inside of you. The breath that we have is God's spirit. And when we speak with God's breath uh, and we speak his word, then it activates his will to be done. It's such a powerful thing that we need to be doing over ourselves and over our families. A lot of people tend to speak curses about themselves or about other other situations they'll say things like oh I, you know this is probably going to happen or i you know uh i think that you know i, I can never do this or I, this is going to happen to me and and we say those kinds of things but we shouldn't be saying curses we should be saying the promises of god and proclaiming uh those blessings over ourselves and over our lives so so let the breath that god has put into you be used to advance the agenda of life in you and over you and your family and those around you. And then finally, I want to give you one more aspect of the meaning of prayer. Um, one of the word, root words that um, a larger word for prayer comes from is this word palel, and it means to judge. And in the, in the word lahit palel, which is the word for to pray, it's an infinitive, to pray, um, you have the the palel word in the middle of it. And so because lahit palel is reflexive, it could be uh, prayer. One of the, another definition of prayer could be with those kinds of ideas in mind is to judge oneself. And so prayer is coming into the presence of God and comparing ourselves with God. And we see uh, the transformation that needs to take place. When we, as I mentioned last week, when we stop, and we sit and we listen to Jesus. When we get into his presence like Mary and we just stop running around like Martha, we, we stop worrying and being distracted with everything else and we sit down in the presence of God and we listen to him with his word. This is a great way to do it is with the Bible, 
spending time with God, reading and thinking and meditating and, and listening, God speaks to us and we judge ourselves. In other words, we're not condemning ourselves. We're simply seeing who God is and who we are. And there's a, there's a difference there. And God wants to transform that difference, whether it's bondage or hurt or pain in us that we see, or a lack or confusion or an opinion or an ideology or philosophy that we're living by. And all of a sudden we compare it with God and we compare it with God's word and we see that what we're thinking is different than what God is saying. Then there's a repentance and there's a change and there's a transformation and our life is, is changed for the better and we become more like him. And it's in the presence of God that we find the beginnings of every breakthrough that we need, every answer to prayer that we need, uh, because everything in the physical comes from the spiritual first. And so whatever you're lacking, whatever you need, whatever you're struggling with, you need to go into the presence of God and you need to find out what God says about that, what God sees in you, what God wants to do in your heart. And that's where your breakthrough begins. That's where change begins. When you allow God to speak to you and you listen and you see what God is wanting to do. And then we become more like him when we allow him to change us and transform us. Every answer, every need that we are looking for, every breakthrough that we have to have, everything starts first in the spiritual realm. So we need to get into the presence of God and let God transform us, okay? Now, today I want to talk about another aspect of prayer, which is what the Bible refers to as praying in the Spirit. In particular, um, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 18, uh, tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It says, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So the Bible says, Pray in the Spirit. So I want to talk about what that means today. So in Ephesians chapter 6, we have this idea of uh, the full armor of God. And we're in, instructed to put on the armor of God. In verse 10, it says in chapter 6 of Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we are reminded in this chapter, in Ephesians chapter 6, that the battle is spiritual, not physical. It's not political. Um, it is spiritual. 
Uh, and so the Bible says our struggle is not against one another, flesh and blood, but it is against uh, rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Not somewhere out there, but in the heavenly sphere that's all around us. It's not physical. It's spiritual. There's a spiritual reality that we don't always see. We're not always perceptive to, but is more real and is behind everything that's going on in the physical world. Spiritual came first. Physical came second. Okay. You, you know, God is spirit. We were created uh, in his image. We are spirit beings. We are not just flesh and blood beings. Okay. We have flesh and blood bodies, but we are spirits. So um, the idea is that there's a spiritual realm all around us, and now we are living in a physical realm. Which realm are you engaged in the most? Well, which realm is more powerful? Which realm is more influential? It is always the spiritual. The spiritual always comes first. And so our battle is spiritual, not physical. We may look at a person and say, that's my enemy, but there's a spiritual influence behind what's happening through that person's life, through that person's words, through that person's actions. It's spiritual, not physical. Secondly, we're reminded that the battle is the Lord's. It's not ours. I want to read this for you. 1 Samuel 17, 47. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Aren't you glad that the battle really is God's? It's not ours, but we keep trying to fight it. And we tend to try to fight these battles with our energy, with our intuition, with our strength. And we, we get burned out. We get uh, discouraged. We lose, um, you know, or we get prideful. Uh, but, but the battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. And so we can celebrate that we can put all of this other burden of the battle onto his shoulders. We can trust in him to lead us into victory. Okay. The third thing I want to mention is not only is the battle spiritual, not physical, not only is the battle of the Lord's, but not ours, but victory is through the spirit of God, not the arm of the flesh. Okay. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's how we win, through the Spirit of God, not through our ability. And finally, our weapons are also spiritual, not physical. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, For though we live in the world of physical existence here, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. They are not physical weapons. They're not bombs and guns and you know, knives. It says, on the contrary, talking about our weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we have spiritual weapons, spiritual weapons. So my question is, so what are our spiritual weapons? In Ephesians chapter 6, there's two of them that are mentioned. The two main spiritual weapons that we have, number one, the Word of God. The Word of God in Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Word of God right here, the Bible, the Word of God is our spiritual sword. It is our spiritual weapon to fight the spiritual battle as, and, and uh, as God directs us because it's His battle. 
And so our spiritual weapon is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. It's a spiritual sword. So God's word is in perfect alignment with God's will. We don't have to question whether or not this is right. It is. It is God's word. So it's in alignment with God's will. So we can use it. We can speak it um, and, and wield it, you know, with confidence that this is of God. It is true. It's eternal. It's excellent. It's perfect. And, uh, and it will produce the results God called it to produce, right? So the word of God is a spiritual weapon. It's a sword. It's, uh, and, and Jesus used the word of God as an example in the desert to defeat the devil's temptations, right? Three times Jesus spoke the word of God to defeat the devil and what he was trying to tempt him with. We also see David, like when he's facing Goliath, Goliath is spewing out all this stuff. But then David speaks over top of him and he speaks the word of God. He speaks life. He speaks what God's going to do to him. And that's the thing that we, we need to always do is always have the last word with the enemy. Right? We always got to use the word of God as the sword of the spirit. So keep learning and studying and meditating and speaking the word of God. That is one of your spiritual weapons. But the other spiritual weapon mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 6 is what I want to talk about today. And in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, I've already said it twice now, Paul says, pray in the spirit. So prayer is also our spiritual weapon. Praying specifically in the spirit. Prayer and praying in the spirit along with uh, speaking and believing in and releasing God's word, those are our spiritual spiritual weapons. That's how we fight the spiritual battle with God's spirit, with his word and with his words. So when the spirit is speaking through us, we can be confident that we are actually in perfect alignment. Those words from the spirit are actually in perfect alignment with God's will as well, because it's the spirit who's doing it. So praying in the spirit, um, it can certainly mean to be led by the Spirit in what we pray, but it can also refer to a gift that is given by, by God, which is referred to as tongues or a spiritual language, speaking in a spiritual language. And in this case, that's what I believe Paul is referring to. Let me um, point out to you that Paul uh, is the same one who spoke uh, these words uh, to us. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That's in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. In 14, uh, same chapter, verse 18, he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, he says, I pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. And so there's this gift that Paul is talking about from this Holy Spirit called praying or speaking in tongues. So let's look at that. Let me explain what praying in the spirit is all about. So first, I want to show you in the scripture where this ability or this gift comes from. Okay. Secondly, I want to show you in the scripture the benefits of praying in the spirit. Why? Why would we do this? And what is it? Okay. And thirdly, I want to show you in scripture how to receive this gift from God. So number one, where does the gift of speaking uh, in tongues or in a spiritual language come from? Well, the gift of being able to speak in a spiritual language is a result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see this first in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and it says this, All of them, all these disciples, there's about 120 of them, were filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be baptized, that word baptized means to be completely immersed, or uh, as translated here, to be filled. So when the, um, all the disciples were initially filled with the Holy Spirit, this was a first-time experience for them. Something new was happening. In fact, Jesus had taught them this was going to happen. He actually sent them to Jerusalem to wait until this thing happened. It was something new on the earth that God was going to do to empower and equip his disciples. Jesus taught about this a lot before he left, before he ascended. And he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and you will be filled with power from on high. And through my Holy Spirit living in you and through you, you will be my witnesses and you will do uh, the same things that I've been doing. You will continue my work of preaching and healing um, and, and proclaiming the gospel. And that's, that's exactly what happened. And so this was not going to be a surprise. It was just going to be new. This was a new thing that God was doing. And so it says they all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so speaking in tongues, or, or really this word tongues, in the, in, as it's translated in the Bible, really just means languages. It just means languages. So I like to refer to tongues as my spiritual language. It's just a language that is unknown to my mind, but it's generated by the Holy Spirit. And so it's my spiritual language. You can say tongues if you want, it's fine, but that's all it means. The word tongues just means languages. And so each of the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, says all of them, and they all spoke in a spiritual language. And uh, in, in this particular example, some of those languages were known in other parts of the world, and it was witnessing to all the people who were visiting Jerusalem. It's an incredible miracle, so that the gospel went out immediately to all these nations in the world through these people representing the different nations. Now, in Acts chapter 10, we have another example, uh, verse 44 to 46. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, Peter was speaking to Cornelius and his family. It was a Gentile family. Um, it says, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know they had been filled with the Holy Spirit? How did they know they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, it says here in verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So the, the demonstration of the filling of the Holy Spirit was them speaking in a spiritual language. And all the people saw this happen, like, wow, look, they just got filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in spiritual languages, in tongues. So this is where it comes from. The gift of speaking in tongues or having a spiritual language comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, tongues simply means languages, as I've mentioned. And when we're talking about praying in tongues, we're really talking about just speaking in a spirit-generated language that our mind does not know and our mind does not understand. So it seems really odd. Like, then what is the point of speaking in a language? We don't even know what we're saying, and we don't even understand it. And nobody else typically understands it unless there's a miracle or an interpretation. So what is the point of that? Why would that even be a gift? What, how... How is that beneficial to anyone? Well, we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. So um, as we do that, those spiritual gifts come 
from the Holy Spirit. There's many spiritual gifts. You can read about them in the Bible. And they come from the Holy Spirit to empower us to not only be witnesses, but to live in the power of God and in His presence, to live a new life. We don't need better um, strength, physical strength. We need a brand new power source, right? We need something bigger than our will. We need God. We need God. So it's all about God, us exchanging our power source of ourself with the Spirit, living in the power of the Spirit, to be filled and full of the presence of God, to be able to live a new life. That's what this is all about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to equip us to live a new life. And we don't generate the gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit generates those. And they're for our benefit and for the benefit of others. Now, just remember that when Jesus was baptized, we say maybe he was around 30 years old. When he was baptized, he was also filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's when his ministry began. In other words, that's when miracles, uh, signs, wonders, that's when he started preaching, that's when he started teaching, that's when he started healing. It was when he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe because he was modeling to us what God's desire and plan is for our lives as his disciples. To come into a place of faith, to believe, to surrender to him, and then to be filled with his presence. And now that presence is power to be his witnesses, to do what he did, to preach, teach, heal, set people free, cast out demons, live a new life. That's the model for every single follower of Jesus. And we saw that happen with the disciples in Acts chapter 2. From that moment on, signs and wonders and miracles followed the apostles, and the church was born. The church wasn't born um, before that, even though Jesus was uh, bringing people into his uh, kingdom, and they're you know, following him and listening to him and being saved. But the church was actually born when the power of God, the Holy Spirit, came upon believers. And so the church's um, initial and continual ministry is dependent on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to offer this world except God. And so we need to be filled with Him to have anything of hope or power uh, you know, to offer the ones around us. And so that's the whole point of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is to be His witnesses. And so uh, we also are carrying on that, um, that mission. We have received the baton from those who've gone before us, and we are still doing the work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So I know I'm saying a lot here. There's a lot to take in, but let's just continue forward, okay? You can read these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and in Acts chapter 2 and in all the other verses that, that we're looking at. Also, look for an attachment for this message. I put together a booklet with a lot more information about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to look at that attachment and go through the, those notes and study it. I've done a Bible study on this so that you can learn and grow in your knowledge of who, uh, what this whole thing is about being filled with the Holy Spirit because it is the key for you to live a new life and to live a, a life of power and fruitfulness 
in him. So go ahead and check that out too. I don't have time enough in one message to cover all that. So I put all of that information and made it available for you. I hope you take time to check that out and study the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can be filled and baptized with power from on high too. So now let's go into the second question I said I would answer. What are the benefits of specifically um, speaking or praying in tongues or in the spiritual language. There's lots of other uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I'm just looking specifically right now for the rest of this message on the gift of speaking in tongues or praying in, in tongues because I want to instruct you on this part of prayer. When Paul says pray in the Spirit on all occasions, what does that mean? I believe that means to pray in the Spirit, pray with our spiritual language, and I'm going to tell you why. There's two amazing benefits to um, speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Before I get to that, let me just kind of give you a couple facts. Number one, when we are praying in our spiritual language or talking our spiritual language, we're speaking to God, not to man. If we're speaking to man, no one would understand what we're saying. Of course, Paul says, unless someone interprets it, which is another gift. So we're not using tongues to speak to people. Um, we're not praying or in our spiritual language to, to confuse anybody, to talk to anybody, to try to put on some kind of a spiritual show or something. The Bible says when we are praying in a tongue or in a spiritual language, we're talking directly to God. The Spirit in us is talking through us to God and interceding. Okay? That's what's happening. Also, we're uttering mysteries with our spirit. We're uttering mysteries. We don't even know what we're saying, but the Bible does tell us we're uttering mysteries with our spirit. When my spirit is praying, my mind does not understand. Okay, and this is where people get confused. Why, why would we do this if I don't even understand what I'm doing? Well, I'm about to get to that. Speaking or praying in the spirit does not benefit other people who are listening or hearing us unless it's a gift of interpretation of what was said, which is a great gift too. But it's more so used in a personal, uh, a personal devotional, a personal uh, discipline in our lives to pray God's will to be done in our, in our lives and in our world. So it's not a public, it's not most of the time, you know, praying in the spirit is not for a public setting. It's for um, the, the proclamation of the prayers God wants to pray through you to see his will come to pass on the earth. And so we're encouraged to pray, not only in uh, the Spirit, but also with our mind. God can lead our prayers in our natural languages. We, we pray most of the time in public settings, you know, with our natural tongue. We're praying what we feel like God's putting on our heart to pray. But God also will pray through us in a spiritual language things we don't even understand. Probably because we couldn't handle it. Or we, our mind would get in the way. Or we would limit what God is actually trying to get accomplished on the earth and we wouldn't dare pray certain prayers. Or we wouldn't understand why we'd be praying for certain things. Because our mind is so much limited to understand, you know, the overall plan of God. Now, we know the big, big parts of it, but the details, sometimes, you know, we struggle with. Why, why would God let this happen? How does this work? Where is this going? We don't see the end from the beginning like he does. We don't see the whole picture like he does. And so God still creates a way 
for him to have a human willing vessel on the earth that he can still accomplish his will, even though it would blow our minds away, and yet we can still partner with him by praying in the Spirit according to his will to be done. It's just fa it's fascinating. It's amazing. So everyone is encouraged in the Scriptures to speak in tongues and to pray in tongues, to pray in the Spirit, because God wants willing vessels to accomplish his will on the earth. So uh, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. I will do both is what Paul is saying. So here's the two main benefits of our spiritual language. Number one, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says simply, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, what is going on when I am praying in the Spirit, the Bible says, is I am being built up. What part of me is being built up? My spirit. I don't, my mind isn't fruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. But my spirit is connecting straight with God. And the Bible says my spirit is getting built up. It's getting strengthened. I think of it like I'm charging a battery. Uh, it's, it's like I am, I'm receiving just internal spiritual strength, vitality, connection with God, and it's like I'm being charged up, all right? That's the idea here is that one of the benefits, it's a personal benefit of praying in the Spirit, is even though I don't understand it, something's going on in my spirit, my spirit's getting stronger, and I'm getting connected with the spiritual realm. I'm getting just fired up. Okay, I'm, I'm being built up. That's what the Bible says. I'm being built up. So by faith, I believe I am being built up in the spirit. It's almost like not lifting weights where it exhausts me, but it's pumping me up. It's building me up from in my inside, my spiritual being. Okay. The second benefit is amazing. I love this. I've already kind of alluded to it in some of my comments a couple minutes ago. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27. And it says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We, always, we don't always know what the perfect will of God is in every situation. But the Spirit himself, listen to this, intercedes for us through wordless groans. So the Spirit knows exactly what the will of God is. And even though we don't, we don't know how to pray about a situation, that we have a tool for that. It's called our spiritual language. And the Spirit will pray for us, through us, the perfect will of God to be done for us. The, the scriptures go on here in verse 27, and it says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Listen, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In other words, when you're praying in the Spirit, you, you're, the Spirit is generating that prayer. And the Spirit is praying God's perfect will to be done. That's what you can be confident of. Anytime that you're praying in the Spirit, you are praying in perfect alignment and agreement with God's will. Yeah, your mind doesn't know what's, what you're praying for, but heaven does. And you're activating the will of heaven on the earth for situations you don't even know about. But you can be rest assured that when God is speaking through you, he is using your prayers to bring the will of God 
to bear upon the earth for you, for your family, for your world. A lot of times how I use this gift is if I'm burdened by a situation, a problem, a person, and I, I start praying for that person or that problem or that situation in English, and then I switch to my spiritual language and I just pray. And I'm believing that God is filling in the blanks for that situation, that God is doing and praying through me his perfect will to be done in that situation. And I pray and I pray until I get a release on that, until I'm sensing that, that what I needed to do is done and I can give that to God. I can trust that situation to God because I covered it with prayer according to his perfect will, even though I might not know what that is. But I'm living by faith and I'm trusting that God is doing his work. That's how I see this gift. Not only am I being built up, but I'm being used to pray God's perfect will. And if I've got a situation I don't know of, like Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, and I don't know what to pray, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to let God take care of that. Isn't that awesome how we can't lose with this gift? It's amazing. So praying in the Spirit activates the will of God in the heavenly realms. And, um, and, and so that's what I want to challenge you to do. All right, so finally, I said that I would tell you how do you receive this gift? Well, the Bible tells us we receive this gift from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and here is what I, I encourage everybody to do. First, ask. Ask. Luke chapter 11, 9 to 13. Ask and it will be given to you, Jesus is saying. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now this verse is referring to the Holy Spirit. Because it goes on to say, Jesus says, For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? No, of course not. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to, to those who ask him? So how do you... Uh, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You ask, God, I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want the gift of being filled with your presence. And you ask, you seek, you knock, you hunger for, you, you desire. And the Bible, Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask of Him. So just when we ask for Jesus to save us, we place our faith in Him as Lord and Savior. We say, Jesus, uh, I place my faith in You. Forgive me of my sins. By faith, we're believing that's happening. We don't get a certificate in the mail. That says, yep, I got, the, I got your prayer. You're good to go. Your name's registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. We don't get validation from mail or from an email or from, you know, something like that. We, by faith, trust and believe that when we do what the Bible says, that we receive what the Bible says we will receive, right? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I believe that. If you confess your sins uh, to God, He is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I believe that. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I believe that one too. Why? Because that's called faith. We're saved by faith, but we're also baptized with the Holy Spirit by faith. Every promise of God is accessed by us through faith. I believe it. So do you want the presence of God? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, ask and you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, 
the door will be open. So you got to want God. You say, God, I surrender. I empty myself of my independence, of my pride, of my self-sufficiency, and I want you. Fill me. Okay? So that's the first thing. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You ask. Number two, you need to receive. All right? Acts 19, uh, 1 to 7. This is a really interesting story. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, listen, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is the question Paul was asking them. Now, these are Christians. These are believers. And he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you became a Christian, when you placed your faith in Jesus? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Listen to their answer. Um, they said, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, those people, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in awe. What happened here? Why did Paul ask that question? And I'm going to ask the same question of you. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? Yeah, you, you may say, oh yeah, I was, uh, I've been a Christian most of my life. You know, when you believed, have you received the Holy Spirit? This is different than just being saved, being forgiven. This is being empowered. And so Paul found out from these folks that no, we didn't even know about this. Maybe you grew up in a religious tradition that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or never spoke about it or you never heard about it. And right now you're thinking, well, this is all new to me or it's fairly new to me. Or I've always been told that this is of the devil or this is wrong or these speaking in tongues thing is just crazy. If you've been told that, but you look at the scriptures for yourself today and in the days to come and you see that. This is all part of God's plan for you to equip you and to empower you to live a new life. The question remains, have you received the Holy Spirit? And if you, if you were saying, no, I haven't, you can. So you need to receive. You need to ask and then you need to receive by faith. Thank you, Jesus, that you have the gift of the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit for me, to empower me, to not only live a new life, but to be a witness for you. Okay? And so that's the importance of this passage, is to understand that I still need to receive what God has for me. I need to reach out for that, and so do you. I pray that you do that today. And God wants you to be a supernatural conductor of His presence and power on the earth. He doesn't want you just to be a Christian and just stumble through life still depending on yourself. He wants to replace yourself with His Spirit. He wants to empower you to do signs and wonders and miracles and be anointed by Him and to see fruitfulness in your life. He wants you to be His witness because there's people on the other side of what you're doing that needs Him. That's why He has called you to follow Him and to be His disciple. Amen? <laughs> All right, and the final thing I want to say is then we practice. So we, we ask, we receive, 
and then we put it into practice. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So Paul is talking to Timothy about, I believe, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's using these phrases. He says, I put my hands on you, fan into flame the gift. Now in scripture, the gift is always referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself used this phrase when he said in Acts 1, 4 to 5 to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the gift that Paul is referring to, that it needs to be fanned into flame when he laid his hands on Timothy, is the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the prominent uh, expression of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is praying in the Spirit, speaking in a spiritual language. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, stir that gift up, pray in the Spirit, let's go, because it's power. It generates power within you, and it releases power out of you. It brings heaven to earth. It awakens and tunes us into the spiritual realm. It helps us sense the will of God even clearer because it's bypassing our physical limitations, our mental limitations, limitations, and allowing us to connect directly with the Spirit of God in alignment with the will of God. So I urge you to study these scriptures. If you're new to this idea, look at the handout that I've attached to this message and ask for the Holy Spirit and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, and begin to practice that. Practice that power. Come to church. We can lay hands on you, pray with you. But I know many people have just done this in the privacy of their own life and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, per, I, I would prefer to have you uh, be in an environment where others can pray with you and lay their hands on you like the model in Scripture. But it doesn't have to be done that way. If you're at home and you're hungry for God, go get it. You know, ask God, receive from God, and then begin to practice. He will put a language in your mouth. You still have to open your mouth. You still have to speak out in faith, but you won't understand what you're saying. But believe that it's building you up and it's praying the will of heaven to be done on the earth. Again, if you've got questions, seek me out, seek, uh, call the church, or look at this, uh, this handout that we have for you. God wants you to live a supernatural, powerful life, witnessing to the world that He is alive, He is our Savior, He's our Redeemer, and He loves each and every one of us. You know what? Today, before we close this message, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with God, and I want to give you an opportunity to be filled with His Spirit. If that's your desire, you can't be filled with the Spirit until you surrender your heart to Jesus. But once you do that, God has the gift of the Spirit, His presence for you. So I'm going to ask you to join me in this prayer. Let's just lift our hearts towards heaven, right where you are. Let's go into prayer with God. Lift your hands towards heaven, and let's just pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, today... I place my faith in you as Lord and Savior. I choose to trust in you with my life. I place my confidence in you and ask that you save me and you forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I'm all yours. I surrender myself to you. 
Lord, I don't want to live this life based on my own resources anymore, my own identity, my own power, my own self. I turn it all over to you. And God, I want you. Holy Spirit, I need you. I ask, God, that you fill me right now with your Holy Spirit, that you baptize me in your presence and in your power that, you, that I receive right now. The gift that you promised. This is a promise, Jesus, that you have made that I would receive power from on high when you, the Holy Spirit, come upon me, comes upon me. And so right now, Lord, fill me with your spirit and give me the gift of a spiritual language so I can be built up and I can be a vessel used to bring your kingdom to bear on this earth. I'm all yours, Lord. Do it all in me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would encourage you to activate that gift of speaking in your spiritual language. Put on some worship music, begin to sing a song, and then you just begin to speak out the words, the syllables that God is putting in you. Just be bold by faith. Just start speaking it out, and God will give you that spiritual language. Okay, that's what I would encourage you to do is put on some worship music, just begin to worship him, just get into his presence and then begin to just trust him to, to give you that language and you will be a power superconductor for God in his name. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. Love you. I'm praying that God will use you in powerful ways and that you'll continue to surrender your whole heart to him so you can be overflowing with his spirit, not yourself, with his power, not your power, so you can accomplish his will in his name. Amen. God bless you.